First and foremost, I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land upon which we, myself, and my guests record today's podcast. I extend respect and gratitude to the elders past, present, and emerging of those nations, and to all Aboriginal peoples listening today. Always was, always will be. Welcome, I'm Timberlina, and you're listening to Yas Queen, the podcast where we talk about everything without knowing anything about everything. This is episode 13, and we have another queer chat for you. This episode, I'll be joined by the team of Party Passport, Adriana, Ben, aka Miscellaneous, and Daniel, aka Marzipan. Party Passport now has a portfolio of parties and events held around Australia and internationally. At the core of their business, they create, run and produce events that create diversity and inclusion, with a particular focus on the LGBTQIA and Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. Their aim is to create events that are safe, fun and fabulous for all people and orchestrate spaces where everyone is free to be themselves. We talk about business, queer Australia, pageants, marketing and everything in between. Before we get into this episode, I do need to let you know that we did start recording this at the start of the first wave of COVID. So let's get straight into this. Okay, welcome to Yacht's Queen. Um, today I am joined by the team from Party Passport. How are we all? Hello, very Hello. well. Hello, world. Really well. Hello, world. Thank you. It's coming um, to you live. I'm quarantined. Yay! <laughs> COVID-19. I'm recording so many podcasts at the moment. It's so great. Um, okay, so let's get straight into it. Who is Party Passport and where are you all based? I am based in Brisbane. Um, Daniel is based in Melbourne and Ben is based in Darwin. And we do a lot of virtual producing and organising. So we're all in different states. Um over to Ben and Daniel. Do you want to explain who we are in a brief summary? Sure. So we're an entertainment and events company and we uh, our mission is to create fabulous events that celebrate diversity and inclusion. And we do a lot of stuff with the rainbow community um, and a great deal of our work happens in Darwin, which is where we all met and where we founded the business. Um, obviously, we've moved to different places now, but... Um, yeah, I, think, I guess you would say that the business is based in Darwin, um, but we certainly do a lot of stuff in, um, well, everywhere. Sydney, we do a lot of stuff in Sydney, we do a lot of stuff in Melbourne. Um, and, yeah, national stuff. So what else would you like to know? We're all over. And international too. Yeah. 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 Yes, we've done other international stuff. But, yeah, we're um, entertainment and events business. Um, we do... Of a wide variety of things. Um, we obviously dabble a lot in the drag world uh, because myself and Marzi Pan um, have had a career in that and Adriana has been an avid ally for a very long time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, meeting in Darwin, which, you know, is a, it's a very unique place um, and it was really born out of the need to create a safe space for the rainbow community in Darwin um, that people felt they could come to that's inclusive um, for all ages, um, diverse. And um, so we started out, we did our first party in 2014 actually um, 
and that was quite incredible. We had Kitty Glitter come and play at the um, our first party. We won't be able to afford her now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, she was our, our first guest DJ and um, both myself and Daniel actually have had experience in the airline industry and so our first brand was called Departure Lounge, which um, resembled the airline industry. And so that first party was really camp because we dressed up as flight attendants and we had um, we served hot towels and um, we themed nuts. it really... Uh, <laughs> yeah, nuts. Lots of nuts um, <laughs> around, the, around the airline industry. So it was really, really camp. And then obviously the business is growing and... Um, we uh, invited Adriana to be a part of the business as well and then has just kind of grown into a number of different brands. So, um, you know, we've got, um, we work on a brand called All Sorts. We also run Miss First Nation. We do Mardi Gras where we run the Northern Territory Mardi Gras float. We also do drag bingo around the country. We also have a brand called Queer Folk Saturday and we also... um, partnered with the Darwin Pride Festival. So <laughs> from that first party, which was um, <laughs> handing out hot towels and, um, you know, providing this unique space, we've really grown, which is really exciting. And I think a really key part of what we do comes from uh, that Darwin idea where there the just isn't enough kind of people in the rainbow community for it to splinter. So there's just simply not the critical mass to have a, a bears party and a twinks party and a, you know, circuit party and a, and all of these things. And so everybody kind of just has to come together and do things as one. Um, and so our idea of inclusion and diversity comes from really from at its core from that place, because we, you know, want to make events that appeal to a really broad range of people and um, where everyone feels welcome. Should we just um, answer that question just to answer who we are? Because I think it would be good for Timberlina to start with that. I don't think we answered that correctly. Yeah. Um, I, can do, I can do that. So, um, so Party Passport, we create, run and produce events that celebrate diversity and inclusion with all of our community in Australia and the Northern Territory. And our mission is to create fabulous events that celebrate diversity and inclusion. Amazing. Um, do you guys want to introduce yourselves as people and what your background is as well? <laughs> oh, people, yeah. Oh, you mean us, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Not oh. just a business. So, Adriana, do you want to go first? With... Um, okay. My name is Adriana. I um, uh, born in Perth and moved to Brisbane when I was around 10 and then... Um, Fast forward a little bit into university, was studying psychology originally. That was my uh, life plan. Um, I was around halfway through my degree and something happened for me to move to Brisbane where I kind of had to um, move to Byron Bay, sorry, where I had to stop everything and go down and support um, um, some good friends of mine. And that put me in a position where I got a job in a nightclub and I'm not sure if anyone's been to Byron Bay at all, but it was the infamous Backpackers Cheeky Monkeys. And um, I was completely opposite to a promoter. I was so nervous um, to even be in there to wear a bikini, which was the uniform of the night. Um, And the owner ended up really liking me and made me the promotions um, manager on the spot. 
So that kind of started that whole world. Um, and then a, a nightclub owner named Russell Temple got wind of me, I guess, from Darwin and called me and said, hello, um, I've heard about you. I have a nightclub here that's brand new in Darwin. Um, can you be here in a week to run it? And I was really young at that time. I think I was 21 or 22. And I didn't even know what an opportunity like that was supposed to was supposed to mean or feel, but I knew that in my heart, if I said no, I would have regretted it. So I broke up with my boyfriend. I packed my car, put it on a train, and I booked a one-way flight to Darwin. Never been before, but something in me just said, "If why not? Um, and I did, and then I booked a one-way flight, and it was a week before Christmas, and I had to do um, a whole heap of promotions and events in a new city. Um, and, yeah, and I did, and it was great, and I guess the rest is kind of, how I fell into that nightclub world of Darwin. I have moved around a few venues. Um, I found myself running a lot of the um, competitions similar to Daniel, the bikini competitions like Maxim and um, national competitions that would come up um, with girls competing. Um, I was part of a team that started uh, a night called Ladies' Night, which is a kind of an institution in Darwin now. Um, a lot of people have been involved in it over the years and a big part of that was having a weekly drag host. Um, and I guess that's kind of where Missy and Marzi have come into it a lot because they would be our regular hosts of the week and we became really good friends. Um, and, yeah, I've just kind of been managing and doing a lot of marketing promotions for years. Um, I won a few awards um, for best marketing employee, best marketing venue for a few years there in Australia and Darwin. Uh, and then I think I kind of got a thirst for more and that's where um, I kind of quit everything and was working on a few things myself and that's when uh, I guess Ben and Daniel and decided to invite me into the Party Passport team and that's I guess the, our first project was um, Queens where Miss First Nation was born and that's where we've kind of begun in 2017 and the rest is kind of history with everything um, that we've produced since that point. And never look back. Um, and now I find myself in Brisbane and I'm managing and doing events for um, a digital darts bar, which now I'm not, I guess, for the foreseeable future. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a little bit into my uh, backstory and who I am. Finished, Finn. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. Who wants to go next? Marcy okay. Pan. My name's Daniel, uh, aka Marcy Pan. Uh, I started doing drag when I was underage because I wanted to get into nightclubs and I kept getting carded because I looked too young. Um, and so I, my friends kind of dressed me up in drag once to say, you know, you'll get in. And sure enough, the bouncers didn't ask me. And I've been kind of stuck with Marzi ever since, really. Um, and then I, I grew up in Darwin and I moved away to Melbourne to go to university. I went and studied acting at a school there called the Victorian College of the Arts. And um, then I finished drama school and kind of had a six-month career as an actor um, where I got quite a lot of work and things were going really well, but then suddenly it all dried up. Um, and then I got offered this gig in Darwin to come back and host the Darwin Pride Festival. And so I went back there and then I was like Adriana, I was going for two weeks and ended up staying for five years. Um, but it was nice to come home and, you know, to kind of have that network and, um, you know, be really kind of appreciated for bringing skills back because it's the kind of town that 
you know, usually anyone with people leave to train and then they don't return. Um, and then while I was there, I started running the entertainment at a nightclub um, and uh, they had a competition called Manhunt. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a male modelling competition. And the venue said um, they wanted to – well, the, the, the venue that uh, bought the competition off the promoters, the promoters wanted to bring a choreographer with them um, and the venue wanted to save some money. So they said, no, you do it. And I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I thought, you know, I'll just make a big show with these boys, these gorgeous men. Um, and then that company, the promotion company, um, really liked my work and so they started asking me to do a lot more stuff nationally. Um, and it was, in those days, it was called Miss Indie and um, Ralph Magazine's Women in the Middle of the Year and Best Model of Australia, all that sort of stuff. And then a Singapore-based company saw my work and they said, do you want to, well, long story short, do you want to come to China? and start doing world finals. So then I started choreographing world finals of beauty pageants the whole time thinking they're going to find out I don't know what I'm doing, but <laughs> they seem to like my work. And so, um, yeah, I spent two years in China, living in Beijing, but travelling all over China, choreographing world beauty pageants. And then I, my mum got sick, I had to come back to Australia. So um, I came back to Sydney um, and then I was hit by a car <laughs> and... Uh, that slowed me down a bit, but always, you know, always had the kind of idea in my mind that I wanted to work for myself rather than other people and had been in the freelance space for a long time, but kind of wanted a bit more control over it. And so then uh, Ben and I were at the Mardi Gras party one year watching Kylie Minogue and we ran into each other. It's like, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Um, and both our friends had left us, so we watched Kylie Minogue and then we were at this amazing party and we said, we should run a party in Darwin. Um, and that's how it was kind of born, really. Um, and then from there, there's been a, a lot of laughs and a lot of yelling and a lot of good times. So, yeah, that's how, long story short. <laughs> I just learned and so that, much about you just then. And that's the hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. so thanks for joining us everyone <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast thank you for <laughs> and that's party pass <laughs> <laughs> um so my name's ben gratz aka miscellaneous i live in darwin and um on larrakia country my family aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander family are Iwaja malak malak and from badu islands on the torres straits uh, my dad is german english irish heritage so i have a very <laughs> eclectic um mix in my blood um i grew up and live in darwin um, my parents were um grew up here as well so i have a strong connection to darwin and larrakia country um I tr travelled away. I left Darwin when I was 17 because I wanted to pursue the arts and Darwin is very much a sports and very blokey town and I always felt that I never really fit in here, fitted in here. So when I had the opportunity to go and study acting down south, uh, I took that and ran with it and that was at 17 and really didn't return for a long time. Um, and so I went and pursued the arts. I did an advanced certificate in Aboriginal musical theatre at WAPA in WA. And then from that I got into NIDA, um, which is the National Institute of Dramatic Arts in Sydney. And I did three years there and graduated from NIDA 
and then was in the industry for a, for a few years doing some exciting, fun stuff and then realised that actors don't make a lot of money. And that's when I went and did um, flight attendant training and became a flight attendant with Qantas. And I did that for seven years. Um, and when you're, when you're flying, time literally flies. And so after seven years, I had lived in Sydney, Melbourne, London with the job and thought I actually, my passion is being creative and really missed being creative. Um, and so I left flying and went back to NIDA and did my graduate diploma in movement studies. And then basically from then on self-taught myself how to produce, direct, um, create shows and how to get a show from idea conception to the main stage. And so that's been an incredible journey. Amongst that, I uh, moved back to Darwin and kind of faced all my skeletons and demons that I ran away from when I was 17, which included coming out to my family and trying to reconcile living in a town where I felt really uncomfortable and isolated to being my home. And so, you know, it's so great that after all of these years, that that happened. And so I'm, I really love being back here. And a part of that journey, obviously, was meeting Daniel and Adriana and setting up Party Passport and, you know, just, just being really responsive to what the community wants, um, what our passions are, um, trials and tribulations of running a business. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's quite full on, but I'm sure we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that in this podcast. Um, but yeah, really kind of love the journey of, you know, being back in Darwin and looking back on where I've come from and all those, all the career choices that I've had to where I am today and how it really kind of, um, you know, complements each other and what you actually do now. Amazing. You guys have done so much. Um, I feel like I'm not I'm, as old as them. Yeah, we're old. about 10 more years <laughs> to catch up there, but... <laughs> <laughs> we'll do the jokes. Thanks, Adriana. <laughs> Oh, I've finally got a microphone. Let me do. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. um, cool. The girl behind the microphone has a voice. So <laughs> yes. God, let her go. <laughs> um, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Um, I think you slightly brought up um, the aims for Party Passport, but where do you see yourselves in 2025? Well, we were talking about this last night about what's, the, what's our five-year plan. We're sort of saying that this is the absolute worst time to be making a five-year plan because, well, we don't know what's going to happen with the world, really, and how long this isolation and all of that stuff's going to go for. Um, yeah. I mean, it's good to have a five-year plan, but at the moment it's kind of all a bit up in the air. I mean, I um, would like to see it grow, everything that we're doing at the moment, growing and being bigger um, and, yeah, taking on new stuff that, uh, sorry, I'm on my dad's property. Can you hear the kookaburras in the background? Um, yeah, it sounds really like yeah, it. It's very, very zen. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, look, I obviously it's our baby and it's our passion and we've put a lot into it and at times not got a lot back. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, we're obviously all very passionate about it and the good thing about it is that it's our business so we control how much we put into it. It's, we control what we create um, and each year we learn more and more. So, I mean, I'm still learning things all the time. Um, but I guess the biggest thing is just doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think also we don't really 
we don't really have time to reflect because we're just we're always moving so fast. And, you know, like it's Party Passport has always been, um, it's a partner business, obviously, between us three, but also we also maintain other jobs while we do it as well. So it's not our full-time full-time job. So, I, you know, 2025, hopefully it can be our full-time job if that's what we want it to be. But also, like um, Dan said, we have to be really responsive to what's happening in the global, um, you know, situation right now. And I think because of, you know, COVID-19, a lot of things have shifted. And I think a lot of the ways we're going to do stuff has is going to change. And our work is all based on events and it's about bringing people together and it's about celebrating, you know, with, with our community. And, you know, it's, it's a, so it's a really odd space to be in at the moment because everything we... Our, the ethos of our business is is completely changed now, but that will obviously change. But I think, you know, in in as as Daniel said, like we've, you know, when I look back at that first party in two thousand and fourteen, like we knew nothing, and so um, well, we thought we knew a lot, but then you know, six years later, you know, the, we have we have grown, and when I look at all the events that we now produce, and you know, look at even Miss First Nation from the, the first year to, to where it is now, um, you know, we've grown a lot and we've now, we're an incorporated business, a company, sorry. So we've now shifted, you know, our model of, of how we operate. So, you know, each year we are learning. Um, and so, yeah, 2025, hopefully we've learned a lot more and we're, we're full time and we're employing more people and we're um, driving our Maseratis. Mm. So your car of choice. Well, we always have. We yeah, always have. Oh, we'll be driving a Maserati home from this event, you know. <laughs> We're making twenty dollars, <laughs> which I think that I think the um, you know, it comes from the Britney song. Yeah, you are a Maserati. Yeah. Work, work, work. <laughs> That's our little. I think it's just um, joke to my myself. like for me. It's always been about you know adapting to change or current climate, whatever that may be. Obviously, this one at the moment is a bit more intense than other years or seasons. Um, but I think a big strength of ours is um, as like entrepreneurs and um, creative minds, we can always, you know, seek a new way of um, producing an event or a show or whatever it is we are doing to, um, you know, to fit in with what, what's happening in the world and what, and what customers and um, not customers, but um, what people want you know, so I think that's the new challenge for us and everyone that does events now moving forward, but it's not something that, you know, people at um, event organisers and producers haven't had to tackle before is change. So it's going to be, yeah, a really interesting and fun couple of years. And also we're lucky that we're creative people and we're yeah. used to creative problem solving. So, yeah, I think that's... I mean, out of all industries, probably <laughs> events and you know, um, entertainment are probably the best equipped to deal with a crisis like this because we're used to that gig economy. We're yeah. used to, um, you know, adapting and changing and finding creative problems to solve, more creative, solving problems creatively. So we're in a good space for that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Now, how many um, events did you guys lose over the last couple of months because of the COVID-19? Personally or... With Party Passport or both? Both, yeah. Um, yeah, everything. But basically all of my work with Party Passport and my own freelance stuff 
has all been really cancelled up until September. So, you know, a, a month ago, I basically had work up until September and now that's all like, there's like none. And so, um, yeah, it's it's quite a lot. It's probably, you know, if you had to put a figure to it, it's probably around $30,000. Yeah. yeah. For me, um, I obviously had um, uh, my full-time job here in Brizzy and that's gone. It's just kind of wiped off the planet, um, which is like uh, millions of others, I guess, in this in the scene as, as an event manager. So, yeah, that's kind of gone. And I guess similar with Party Passport, anything upcoming um, is kind of wiped off too. Dan, I think you're in the same boat with your full-time job, obviously, in, in air. Yeah, well, I have um, flew up until recently full-time with Virgin internationally and just had just switched to part-time because the business was going so well yeah. and I wanted to dedicate more time to that. Um, and so, obviously, no planes are taking off, so that revenue stream's gone mm-hmm. and uh the other part of the my income was bringing people together in big groups yeah. <laughs> that's gone for the I'm immediate future as well um, yeah both my jobs yeah. were as an event manager so <laughs> you know we're just going to adapt here as best we can yeah but yeah. i mean as i was saying before we went on air I, I had always planned to be on leave at this time anyway i had a big family holiday booked in bali um <laughs> And there's no pina coladas and coconuts in my hand currently, but I I still am using the time to kind of rest and recuperate and just rejig a bit. So I'm yeah. kind of sticking my head in the sand about what's going on really, just sitting at home with my family yeah. at the moment. But I'm sure my feet will get itchy fairly soon. Well, yeah, depending how long we're in lockdown. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I met you all in 2018 in Sydney for Miss First Nations. Um which was exciting and fun. Um, and I guess that's where my relationship with Party Passport started um, with that. Um, what did you win that year? What, Miss what Congeniality. That's right. You were, everyone loved oh, you. Oh, favourite. Uh, yeah, I'm like the nice queen apparently. Apparently. <laughs> 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 I, I was wet for two weeks after. <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, we make you work. <laughs> Just being nice to everyone was really hard. Um, <laughs> no, I'm always nice, I feel. Um, so I've had a few red wines and then I'll start telling you what I think. Um, so, um, I mean, how did Miss First Nations come about? Um, what were you... I mean, yeah, I can yeah, talk about that. Um, so Miss First Nation really came about, um, we inherited, we inherited the, 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 the competition in, in a way. So uh, there was a drag queen in Darwin called Moncherie who ran this competition called uh, Queens of the Galaxy. And it was actually a brilliant idea and um, the first year she did it, was quite extraordinary actually it was this huge big event at the convention center in darwin and it had pandora box from um rupaul's drag race was one of the hosts and this was in and marzi pan, marzi pan and was one of the hosts excuse marzi, me yes, sorry, marzi pan, but, <laughs> but that was like was that 2011 um was it that long ago i can't remember yeah i think yeah, so so yeah. it was like a really long time ago where you know it was a, a she was already booking RuPaul's Drag Race Girls, like it was all kind of ahead of the game back then. And even the competition was, you know, no one was doing this competition and 
Um, you know, so that happened for uh, for three years. And, um, you know, some of the winners was, I thought the first winner of that competition was uh, Passion um, in Melbourne. And then the second winner was Art Simone the, the, the other year. And then the third year was Tina Moorcock. So, you know, it had really kind of esteemed, had really a good, you know, um, winners and good kind of... Um, a good kind of a competition behind it and a brand. And then for whatever reason, she um, wasn't able to continue with that and kind of, you know, said that she was retiring the competition and, um, you know, that thanks, thanked everyone for it. And then that's when we kind of went, this is actually a really incredible idea. No one else at that stage was doing it. And so we thought, well, why don't we um, ask Moncherie if we can um, kind of take it over? And she kind of said, yes, we, she would love us too and um, gave us her blessing. And then from that moment, we said, well, well let's kind of rebrand it because we don't want to continue that same co- um, competition. And in that same conversation about rebranding it, we thought, well, why don't we actually do it properly and start from the start and actually crown the first ever Miss First Nation, because that way we're honouring the traditional custodians of Australia and also it's kind of, it felt like a good way of starting that competition. And so basically that's how it all started. And um, the actual brand that we came up with was a Queen's The Ultimate Drag Crown. And under that brand, we wanted to do all these other kind of, you know, different kind of pageant competitions. But since 2000, it was 2016, we've been, um, we've, we've fortunately been stuck on Miss First Nation. So because that year went so well and we had the um, film company follow us and produce Black Divas, um, it kind of just really excelled that brand and then, and that name. So um, really, in a nutshell, that's how Miss First Nation came about, but it's actually under the brand of Queen the Ultimate, Ultimate Drag Crown. So, you know, we are keen at some stage of expanding that, <laughs> that brand, but for now Miss First Nation just seems to be growing um, from strength to strength. It seemed like a really natural progression for us to take it over for us too. I mean, Ben's theatre-producing yeah. work and because I've been producing beauty pageants for so long. I mean, I knew that world really well. Um, and Adriana, obviously, like, coordinating all that black back-of-house stuff for beauty pageants and stuff before. So um, it just seemed like a really kind of natural thing for us to take us over. Um, but, yeah, we were so fortunate that the the film company kind of jumped on it because who knows what Miss First Nation would look like now without that maybe Black Divas, you know. Mm. Um, but I guess that was just kind of really exemplified how unique it is and um, how that people are interested in it. And the thing about that competition that I love is that I don't think it'll ever get old because the stories of the people will always be interesting um, and how they got to that point will always be interesting. So, yeah, that's what I love about it. And, yeah, and I think, you know, also the fact that, you know, it, the competition was born out of the need for First Nation drag queens and artists and performers to um, have visibility, to be seen on the main stages around Australia and to be given a platform. Because back when we first started, there were probably, you know, there was very little visibility out on the main stages. And I think what kind of makes me so proud is seeing all of our all of our divas, you know, yourself included, that are now running their own kind of, you know, 
machines and businesses and making such an impact in the community. And, you know, before before we started all this, you know, that wasn't happening. Or if it was, there wasn't the visibility that it does now. And I think that you, it's not saying that the competition kind of, you know, 100% changed all that, but it did give people a platform to be able to um, be recognised and to have that visibility. And, you know, I just, my hope is that that just hopes continue to, to continue to grow and that more First Nation people get the platform for that visibility and to, you know, make a living out of what they're so passionate about, you know? Yeah. I um, I think it was an amazing platform for me personally um, to be on that stage. And it, like now I, I work full time as a drag queen and without you guys, I don't think I would have been able to be working full time as a drag queen. So thank you. Thank you for giving me opportunity. Well, so. yeah. Well, you've done so well and, you know, we're, we're so proud of you and, you know, and, and, you know, even Jojo in the sense that, you know, you look at her when she was on Black Divas, which is so great about that documentary because she connected the reference point. And so to see her from, you know, when she first started the competition to not knowing how to do her makeup to seeing her now, like that transformation yeah, is phenomenal. just extraordinary. Yeah. Um, so if anyone's out there listening, um, the documentary is called Black Divas and you can see it on SBS on demand. I think it's still on, yeah. I think it's still on SBS catch up. So Yeah, so make sure you go out and watch that because that was the first year of Miss First Nations and it's an amazing documentary and yeah. you'll see Jojo and then search Jojo and see her now. Um, Transformation Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I can say that because um, she won't kill me because I get her work, so it's fine. <laughs> Oh, but it's true though. I think that her growth is, you know, extraordinary. And I think that, you know, she's a great example of, you know, someone who's worked really hard to create herself the opportunities that she's got. Um, And, you know, she works for those. She works hard for those. And, you know, this industry is is really cutthroat and particularly now with, you know, the commercialisation of drag. And I think that you have to work even harder. And as I tell all of you girls, you know, um, it's much easier to get a bad reputation than it is to get a good one. And you have to work really hard to keep that good reputation. And, um, you know, a lot of the girls have done that really well. I, I agree. I love that um, you just got close to your microphone when you said that. Yeah. Oh, and me. whose beeping is that in the background? Someone oh, keeps getting messages. No, yeah, it's me, but I can't turn it down. Otherwise, I can't hear you. It's just, I just, I'm getting you got headphones. No, hang on a sec. Let me just cancel out of it. What's the beeping? Just every message. time I get a message um, on Facebook. Hang on, I'm, oh. I'm just going to cancel out of it. Sorry, everyone. Um, okay, lucky I can mute you out of what everyone else was saying. Okay, carry on, everyone. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> chimes. Okay, next <laughs> section. <laughs> Could you turn the chimes off? <laughs> I'll have to move to another. It's really zen. I'll have to move um, to another area. People listening are going to be like, what are those bloody chimes? I'll yeah. do a um, thing at the start saying if you hear any random noises, it's because. Uh, yeah. In the bush. <laughs> and she's like, how to turn off the switches. <laughs> um, these are, this is my favourite questions. Um, so I'm going to get you to answer year by year. Um, so Adriana. And I just saw that one. You might, you might want to do, you might want to swap the order just because Adriana joined a bit later uh, on. Hey, what do you, that makes sense. Is this about the first year, second year, third year? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I was yeah. I was there. That, what are you talking about? I was I did the whole Miss First Nation. Yeah, Adriana's been there for that whole oh, yeah. journey. Yeah. So I, yeah, I Sorry, I thought you were talking about parties. No, party just Miss First Nations. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool. Um, Adriana, mm. um, what was your most memorable moment from Miss First Nations 2017, the first year? Um, God, there were so many. I think um, on a <laughs> memorable moment would have to be when we put... Josie Baker and Crystal Love in a crocodile cage. I think that'll be etched in my memory for the rest of eternity and how hilarious it was and how um, every contestant, I think, came into this competition and didn't realise how almost hard they'd have to fight for that, that crown and how much they wanted it and just seeing everyone you know, giving it their all and um, jumping at any opportunity they could to, you know, impress the judges or to show us that, that you know, they had what it what it took to kind of be the overall um, Miss First Nation Crown winner and it was hilarious and it was amazing and it kind of just summed up for me um, that the competition was a lot more than I think even myself and Daniel had um thought of or had predicted because moments like that, there was actually so many of them, but that was probably the most memorable, um, happened so often throughout that, those five days. And it was just, it just, yeah, it was, it really, you really felt that you were a part of something special that was, yeah, much beyond what we could be, have even produced because, you know, it's the people that are in it and, and competing in their stories and that makes it what it is. And I think, it was just a moment of going, okay, this is something bigger than what, you know, I thought it was ever going to be. And it was, it was really, really magical. So, yeah, that's, that's mine, I guess. Yeah. Um, and we'll go on to Ben for the second year, which is 2018, which is my year. So um, just remember <laughs> that I was... <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think the most memorable moment for Miss First Nation 2018 was, of course, Kimberlina. <laughs> Um, full stop. <laughs> um, yeah, full stop. Um, I think that that year, um, you know, was I think the biggest memory for me was just being, you know, held at the Imperial, Imperial Hotel as well and um, being in Sydney. And I think there was something really iconic about, um, you know, running that competition with... Um, First Nation divas, drag queens, performers in that city where, you know, drag was, you know, has such a big history. And to also hold it at um, the Imperial Hotel, which of course is so incredible, I think was, it was, I just felt so proud that it was almost like it was like a full circle moment and being there and seeing, you know, that competition grow so much and, um, seen you know because from that first year I think we had six six people and then each year it's grown and grown and grown and as I mentioned previously like it, this competition was about creating that visibility and that platform for First Nation divas and you know to see it to see it grow each year and I think we had you you know all those contestants in that year to see that number again and see all these fierce queens in that iconic hotel and in that city I think it was just the whole thing was a really proud moment and memorable moment for me yeah but to think that I was like oh my god am I talking yeah. about the right year that, yeah. was, that was correct <laughs> <laughs> 
So did I? So did we miss seventeen? Because the first year was sixteen, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Seventeen. Oh, 17 was on. Okay, now do you need to have a timeout? Do you want to answer the rest of them? No, I lose track with years ago. Um, anyway, and now, Daniel, Dan, last year, 2019, Melbourne. Yeah, it was. A, I mean, that was a really fabulous year because um, it was the first year that we'd put the show into a festival and it became really clear for us that, wow, this is a great festival show. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, partnering with Year and Boy was amazing because of the technical support that they gave it and um, we were looked after so well. Um, I mean, the most memorable moment for me would have been uh, seeing the, the, all the contestants perform with electric fields, which was electric, well, electric, um, to kind of watch it. And um, just to kind of see... Um, it was the first year that I really felt like the contestants knew the competition and I was like oh wow they actually really like they've you know done their research and they know what to bring and they're all you know they were much more kind of um versed and rehearsed and prepared than they had been in previous years so it was I mean the 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 talent was obviously spectacular um, and it was really stiff competition not that it hadn't been other years but in other years they'd been really clear leaders and um, last that year, particularly, I thought, wow, this is a really, you know, close race. Um, and it was just really nice to see the competition mature in that way, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you. I think when behind the scenes all of the performers message each other and they're, the one thing is we say, learn your opening song. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel is going to kill you if you don't know it. Learn your choreography. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> because people listening in, because we don't have that much time to rehearse and to put the show together, so I make a little video and send it to the contestants before they get there. So the expectation is that they kind of know all the dance moves before they arrive. <laughs> the first two years that didn't happen. But <laughs> the last year it did, so that's that's good. <laughs> I got the dance in the last, the finale night. That counts, right? <laughs> yeah, after you've had the, a week to prepare. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I mean, obviously, I think what we got out of well, what I got out of that was that uh, everybody every year has just gotten better and better and better. Um, which is probably is like what's coming up, and you're probably dreading this question because of COVID nineteen. Um, Miss First Nations twenty twenty is it happening? Is it not happening? What's well, uh, 2020's been a bit of a tumultuous year for the competition because we, it was a bit of off to a bit of a rocky start just because um, we had been approached by a venue in Brisbane um, to partner with us. And obviously an event like that can't happen without a, uh, a venue partner, without sponsors, because nothing's free. Um, and so we kind of worked very hard on securing a place that that venue and... Um, kind of firming up that deal so that we could do it in Brisbane. Um, and then that person left, who had approached us, left the venue and the new team or the new person in charge kind of didn't um, didn't want to go in that direction with Miss First Nation. Um, and so uh, it was kind of back to square one, so we were kind of madly scrambling to get it together. And we had a, um, a very exciting prospect also in Brisbane, but uh, that's all been put on hold as well. So, I mean, the thing is, 
with it, like I say, it can't happen without the support of sponsors and venues and that kind of thing. Um, and all of those people are going to be, you know, the, the ripple effect from this isolation stuff is is so huge. So people are going to be throwing around money in the way that they were before and they'll be a bit more cautious about what they present. And even though I think that it's a really, really um, unique and remarkable competition, it is, you know, it's very kind of niche and so it needs to be marketed in a specific way to kind of get the word out that, people would be interested in it. Um, so, yeah, that would take some work, um, but it's not impossible, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I think the yeah, short answer is we are planning on doing it this year in what whatever shape or form that is at the moment or where, um, we're unsure, but, um, you know, we're keen to make it happen yeah. this year. But we had some really, really amazing um, partnerships kind of lined up and I feel, you know, we'll just have to kind of ride out the tide and... Hopefully we can go back in that direction once we get over this corona. And also great contestants, like great people had expressed interest. Yeah, amazing. I mean, that's really refreshing to see that there's still a lot of interest in and that the talent pool is, you know, there's always a fear, is the talent pool going to dry up, you know. Um, But I think that the competition now is sort of begetting itself in a way because it's exposing um, more people to that option or that opportunity and so more people are kind of interested in doing drag that maybe hadn't been before and that's part of a you know a, a much broader um wave of interest in drag in a in a mainstream culture um but yeah it's nice to see that there's still kids that want to do it <laughs> yeah well i know a girl from newcastle that's put her interest in so keeping the right. new girls alive Even coming. yeah passing that torch yes. yeah and we've already threatened her, so we're like, if you don't bring the crown home to Newcastle, well, then there's you're been out. someone from Newcastle every year. You're right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she's got big shoes to fill, doesn't yeah. she? Mm. Yes. Well, not yeah. mine aren't that big. So, <laughs> thank you, little shoes. Thank you, little shoes. I'm a real woman. Uh, <laughs> and then, what is? I mean, because you did Miss First Nations. Overseas, where was that again? Taiwan. Oh, yeah, Taiwan. Is there anything like that going to be happening in the near future? Is there any plans for that? Well, I think we're keen on exploring, you know, because as um, Daniel mentioned, it is a, it is a, um, you know, we've we've recognised that it is a great festival show, and obviously in Taiwan, it was a part of the Palima Festival, which was their indigenous arts festival and so there is there is something um about the um being able to do it in other countries or areas and we're definitely keen on exploring that and I think you know this will be a good time to kind of refine you know what that package is how how can we um continue to spread the word of this of this of this visibility for our first nations people all over the world um and really you know, I've been approached um, from a producer in South Africa about doing it in South Africa and um, absolutely would love to do it in Asia, in the Asia-Pacific region. And so there's, you know, there's there's definite life for it internationally, but it's also about trying to maintain it, you know, in yeah. our country and kind of make it work here. But, you know, the, the expansion of it is really exciting yeah. for us. Have you ever thought about doing All Stars? Oh, yes, of course. I'll come back as a judge. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
And what do you think the growth, well, have you seen growth in the queer Indigenous community over the past three years um, from doing Miss First Nations, not just for the drag community, but the whole queer Indigenous community? Have you think it's given the whole community another platform as well? Or visibility, I guess, is probably a better word. Totally. I think, yeah, I think there's a, you know, Miss First Nation definitely has allowed for that visibility within our black community. But, you know, also all of our events are really inclusive of all of our community, but we do, you know, because of my background, obviously have a keen interest in supporting, you know, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander rainbow community. Um, we also run a party called All Sorts, which is an all-inclusive party, but really for a safe space for our black community and our brother boys and sister girls. Um, and, you know, we run Blackout, which is our Mardi Gras annual party, which we run as well. Um, but Miss First Nation is just another part of those avenues. And, you know, definitely there has been um, growth. Well, not growth, there's just been kind of, it's allowed it's allowed people to reconnect again, and, and particularly all sorts was was born out of the need that there actually was no parties happening nationally that kind of um, catered towards our black rainbow community. And so, um, you know, like a lot of the stuff we do, we're really conscious of all the colours of our rainbow. It's not just one particular one particular niche in our community and you know even queer folk a lot of the parties that we are doing now are really for all of our community but we ensure that there is a space for the black community to feel safe as well because I think you know a lot of these parties and events that are run um, out in the wider community kind of allow for that space or say that they're there but none of them are run by an Indigenous person or a First Nations person. And I think it's really important to have those events run by um, black people. If you're creating a space, a safe space for black people or Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, that there needs to be someone running those events because it does shift the dynamic and the kind of paradigm of what those events are. And so, you know, we're lucky that we're we are a partnered business that is really diverse, so we can cater for a lot of different um, parts of our community. Um, and also we just want to run events that we want to go to. And a part of that is that I'm a First Nations person, that I want to be at a party with lots of black people. And so that's going to naturally happen anyway. So we kind of do it consciously, but then we also do it unconsciously as well. Yeah, that's good. Um, back to all sorts, I've noticed that you've been taking that to a lot of like festivals this year? Is, are you, is that the plan now for all sorts to continue? Well, it's so disappointing because we just got a weekly residency for all sorts before this all started. So it was going to have a, a weekly home, which is um, <laughs> was which we, I thought was like a really great progression for the brand because um, it had just been sort of pop-up parties until that point. Um, but, yeah, um, I mean, I'd like to see that happen again, a bit of a weekly residency um, and or, or even a monthly residency. And then, yeah, give, have the capacity for it to travel. So, I mean, we've done three this year already, one in Sydney, one in Adelaide and one in Melbourne. Um, and I think that the structure of the party works really well and that the, you know, the, the brand's really clear and that it's a really fun event. 
that people feel welcome at. So, yeah, definitely keen to see it yeah. grow. Bring it to you. Do you want to talk about Adelaide, Adriana? Yeah, Adelaide was amazing. Um, I think originally uh, when we were approached um, by, Adelaide, uh, by Adelaide Fringe, um, they wanted us to program all sorts over a period of time. Um, we were pretty late in, the, in their programming um, and we were actually the recipients of the, la- of the last um, grant which gave up, which actually... Um, allowed us to get down to Adelaide and to put on all sorts. So we decided to, to um, launch it with one and see how we go, just one night, one event. Obviously, uh, first time in Adelaide for myself and first time to do an event in Adelaide, I guess, with Putty Passports. So, you know, test the waters and see how and see how it went. And it, and it went amazingly. And I think um, now it's, it's going to be a conversation of programming um, all sorts over, you know, a week or a two-week period or potentially even longer and having it as a show throughout the festival um, because it really does have the potential and the legs to do that. So that's something really exciting that, you know, we've got to look forward to. It was received really well there, really, really well. So that's exciting. Yeah, that's amazing. The lineup, yeah. was, the lineup was killer as well, so. Yeah, it was a really, really good event. So that's, that's some really exciting, exciting times ahead. And it's the same in Melbourne for the Midsummer Festival. Like, it's really exciting to see to give the a platform to people that maybe wouldn't always get the yeah. opportunity to perform and to, you know, because of the style of the party, it's okay to take a few risks with that stuff. Like not everything has to be perfect and not everybody has to be amazing. Like a huge part of it is sometimes just giving people a go. Yeah. Um, and the audience, when the, you know, the patrons are kind of very, um, uh, tolerant of that or kind of, you know, accepting of that and encouraging of it. So, it's yeah, that's why we're passionate about it because I mean, frankly, Ben and I are sick of putting on wigs, so it's kind of time to start passing the baton a bit and um, giving other people that opportunity. And it's nice to nice to be able to do that. Nice to grow a beard. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that's really really fun. Does anyone have? Do you want to discuss any other events? Um, well, what do you want? What did you think of the of Blackout Mardi Gras this year? He performed. Yeah, I mean, Black, I think Blackout is amazing, and especially after hearing everyone's complaints about the official after party, I was like, <laughs> there was so much room to dance. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll continue, even if I'm not performing at Blackout, I'll go there to party anyway. Um, as long as you guys keep doing it, please keep doing it. Um, <laughs> I think it's great. I think it's a really cool event and, like, I knew people that were coming from other after parties that were performing at other after parties just to party at Blackout. It was just a really fun vibe. Yeah, I had some feedback from somebody who said that it reminded me of a party of days gone by or something because it was kind of, um, you know, a little bit off the beaten track and, you know, the performers were really diverse and they kind of said, oh, this must have been what it was like for the 78ers, you know what I mean, to kind of feel like there was a real community and a really kind of um, inclusive vibe and everybody was really supportive of each other, which certainly doesn't happen at a lot of those bigger events. So, oh, um, God, no. Do you know what this best thing is? That people kept their clothes on. That was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> You should have started the trend. We'll change that. your bra off. <laughs> God, no. No one wants to see that. <laughs> I think we are really conscious of that. And as I mentioned before, is that, you know, the, the parties really much are about our community and particularly those that don't really feel like they um, have a space within that wider rainbow community and particularly black followers. Like, you know, it's, 
it's it's you know it's a it's a particular space that we want to create that people feel really comfortable and welcomed and you know I think that as long as we keep doing that and it's not so much about you know just getting them in and getting your shirts off and whatever else I think that it will always be really successful and I think people will really um, leave our parties feeling like they've um, had a really great time and that they've really connected with people and you know being able to be themselves. And like we always say, it's we want to create events that we want to go to. And so there's definitely a place for that kind of, you know, take your shirt off party. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily want to go to that all the time um, because the part that I find interesting about going out is connecting with people and feeling part of a community. And so if we can achieve that vibe at our events, then we've done what we set out to do. And I think one of our, you know, one of our strengths as you know, for all of the, all three of us is that we actually, like, we're actually really passionate about throwing it at events and we're really passionate about people having a great time. And I can speak for myself, but I actually get off on people having an amazing time at our parties. Like I love hosting. I love ensuring that people, and so when people don't, if for some reason they don't, I take it really to heart because it's like, I want people to, to have the best time that they possibly can. And, you know, we ensure that our parties that we are doing that or the events that we're running because we are so passionate about people connecting and people having an incredible time. Yeah. Why don't you talk about that, Adriana? What's it like being a straight about- woman? Um, I just think I'm really not lucky, I wouldn't say, but um I've always been such a strong ally and supporter of, you know, everyone, obviously, but especially, you know, the gay queer um community. Um and I just feel really blessed that I am able to add that one, I've been accepted um, into it. <laughs> Two, um, that I get to you know, put, put events and um, produce events and, 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 and fun, amazing, um, you know, activations and Mardi Gras and just, uh, to, just to list so, so, there's so much that I just, my heart is so full all the time. And um, for me, I just, I'm like Ben, similar to Ben, and I know Dan, Dan feels the same. It's just any event, any event that you throw as an event manager, you, you obviously want to go well, but it's I think it's deeper than that as an event manager and a producer. You you, you see people's reactions and you, you listen to them, and and I think creating events like we do, um, it's it goes beyond kind of giving a space to party. Um, you're really creating platforms and and spaces and and um, and spaces that people can feel like they can just, you know, free to be who they are and that is really important to me, um, you know, straight, queer or not. Um, it's really important that I'm doing something that um, really is more than just, you know, a celebration. It really is something that means a lot to people, whether that be, you know, a drag competition or um, a party. I just, yeah, it, I, it really gives me some some sense of purpose. So, yeah, that's how I, I feel. And I feel like you're also like the mother hen when it comes to Miss First Nations. You get us through the week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of um, green room um, pep talks before this go on stage. Um, you know, it just fits. We, I think um, myself, Ben and Dan, we all complement each other in different ways and 
you know, especially with a competition like Miss First Nation, I, I definitely can't get up in six-inch heels and host um, a drag bingo event. So, but I definitely can, you know, muster people together and hopefully be some sort of support network um, when the nerves kick in and when people doubt themselves. Um, and I guess maybe that's where my psychology side of me kicks in or just, you know, I don't know, the female side. But it, it all seems to somehow work really well when we're, we're in action. So, yeah, I'm just really blessed to be a part of it, to be honest, every yeah. day. I mean, when it comes back to Party Passport as a whole and I think producing events, people don't realise how much goes into an event because um, I also produce events here in Newcastle and people are like, why don't you do that every week? And you're just like, no. Um, yeah, <laughs> because no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, I mean, there's three of you and you are all based in different states. Um, how business-wise, is it effective that you're all in different states? I mean, it's great that you have like online chats and all of that now, but can it be difficult when you're trying to plan a massive event for all of you not to be in the same room for meetings and stuff like that? How do you, I mean, what are the struggles and what do you love about it the most, I guess? Well, I think that, I mean, less than being in different places, I think the struggle is having too much on. And so kind of when, um, because we're all, we've all got our own thing going on as well. And when that overlaps with other stuff, it's, you know, that's the part that, um, that when it gets sticky. Um, but I think we have a really kind of um, good way of working together now. We've got a million chats, group chats going on, all different subjects. Um, and we all fire creative, but I mean, Adriana at one o'clock in the morning, we're sending messages about stuff we're doing for Darwin Pride. So um, it's just about kind of finding windows when we have the opportunity, we can all communicate, which isn't that often. Um, so lots of it's done on the fly. Um, but yeah, that's just the business model that we've created. And like I say, it's our business. So we make it work for us really. Yeah. yeah I think we've kind of gotten into almost like an oil, well-oiled machine now where um, each of us know what we have ahead of us and we know what tasks need to be done. So we, we have weekly meetings um, and we discuss what we need to do and the task ahead for that week. Uh, we all have minutes and actions to do and we all do that um, and then we make sure that we touch base throughout the week and then as events get closer, those meetings happen more regularly and, yeah, and then it's just go time. So a lot of the things that you can do um, maybe together, it's just the same as you would over the phone. So a lot of it, we're lucky, can be digital or can be phone calls and can be emails. Um, but we're all, we commu- I think it's our communication. We communicate a lot and I think that's the key. Um, we also, after before and after every event, we have meetings um, to talk about the event prior and what's going to happen and whose roles the what and then post event even if it's 2am in the morning and we've had a 15 hour day we'll always have a meeting and we'll discuss in real time what happened that day what we can improve on next time and um yeah and notes that we you know we were happy with and we weren't so we're really big on communication and I think that's that's really kind of you know that's a big part of our success I guess um is just to yeah be really transparent and and also know where our weaknesses lie so um, we'll always pick up on what we can improve on and what we what we saw in that event and what we saw in what we did and how we want to be better than that um, the next time we do one. So, um, yeah, I really like that we've got that system in place. So we're always growing, obviously. No event's the same, I guess. <clears throat> and I think pre, like, you know, pre-COVID-19, we were actually working 
remotely and doing all of our, you know, the only time we really came together was for the event. So, you know, we, we'd been working in this way for a couple of years now. So to kind of do a lot of thing, a lot of stuff remotely is secondhand to us now, which is really great. And, um, yeah, so we were, the, we, we started doing that well before COVID-19. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Trend settings. Yeah. I mean, I think we could get together more. I mean, I would like to, but, um, yeah. that's just not always an option. So you just make it work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like yeah. an event, like you said, every event's different. So, I mean, you just take yeah. it as it comes, right? And also now, like, you know, we have a, you know, we have a model and we have um, most of our events we've done more than once now. So we have a template. So we're going into the event with much more of an understanding what we're doing. So, you know, they do become easier, but each event is, you know, is, is just as hard as the last one. And, you know, we're really passionate about it. So we want to make it work. And any person that organises an event, the biggest fear is, is, is anyone coming or is anyone, you know, participating? And, you know, so that fear is always there. But in terms of actually running the event, it does get easier because we do have a template for it. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> before we go into some side stuff, if anyone venues or somebody that wants to have one of your events in their town or their city, what's the best way to get in contact with you guys? Just think through our website. Yeah, so if people are interested in running one of our events or engaging with us, it's just partypassport.com.au um, and we've got all of our information on there and all of our events, how to contact us and, you know, where, where we can with our capacity, you know, we are more than happy to, to work with um, people, places, venues, um, communities to, to really spread the word of diversity and running fabulous events. Amazing. All right. These are a bit of like side questions that I have, I mean, personally for you guys. They're not really like business, party passport stuff. Um, I'm going to start with Adriana now. It wasn't to be Ben, but Adriana, tips on running social media successfully. We know that you're like the queen bee when it comes to your socials and running 65 accounts at once. <laughs> um, God, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend the way that I've done it in the past. Um, I guess... For me, um, it's about not necessarily scheduling and planning. Um, I think it's just about always being present. So, um, yeah, running running multiple accounts, especially when some are people and some is a business and some is a party and some is an event that has people inside of it, it's so multifaceted and your dialogue needs to be different on each of them that I think you just need to be really in tune with the audience and what tone you want to set for that platform and just be really in tune with that, I guess. Um, create the brand that you want to put out there, create the way that you want to send it, um, have a bit of an idea of the imagery um, and how you want that story to be told. And you're the storyteller, I guess. You're the, you're the person that in real time needs to get what people are seeing and how they're seeing it. So it's just, I guess it's just like the news, you know, the media choose what you see um, you know, you, you're choosing what someone sees in, inside of that event and you need to either, one, make them feel like they've missed out on the best thing in the world, um, two, make them feel like they're going to miss out on the best thing in the world or three, want to meet and see that person on stage in real time and desperately want a ticket. So I guess it's just there's a lot of pressure, I think, with social media if you get it wrong. Um, but, again, it's just 
understanding your audience, making sure you're always uploading content that's fresh and original um, and um, new and exciting and, yeah, keeping up, keeping up to date with what's happening in the world and maybe trying something a little bit different but is still, you know, what, what your audience wants. I guess it's a lot to do with the event itself. You know, what, what, what do people want to see? What do people want to read? What, what do people want to go to? It all kind of comes part and par, um, I feel. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of it, really. I'm I'm always on my phone, so I wouldn't really recommend that. I do recommend having some sort of structure in your planning, but um, again, I think it's just being present and always kind of being not being too scheduled and structured because the minute you become robotic, people recognise that and that you, it's not as authentic. Um, I guess, yeah. which I you know I've definitely fallen victim to before, and I've noticed it, and then I've tried to kind of counteract that. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that'd be that's my best advice. As mis- disjointed as that is. <laughs> but you're doing well. That's the main thing. Everyone I know during Miss First Nations, I've never seen someone work so hard on social media in my life. It, it gave me headaches. So you're doing it well, love. Um oh, let's go to Dan now, I think. Yeah. The difference between running a pageant in Asia compared to Australia. Um Wow. Okay. Um, well, a bit of slight chalk and cheese. Um, <laughs> running a drag pageant's a lot more fun. <laughs> I can say that. Um, I think the biggest hurdle when I was um, doing world finals of competitions, I, I mean, I did so many. Um, Miss Tourism, Miss International Beauty, Miss Bikini International. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, and I guess my biggest hurdle there was that um, people didn't always speak English. And so you would end up with these groups where okay, Luxembourg, you need to translate for France, Spain, you need to translate for Venezuela, um, you know, Austria, you've got to translate for Germany. And so there was always this kind of like chit chat going on behind the scenes. And every time I was explaining something, it was, you know, a lot of stuff got lost in translation. Um, in Australia, obviously that's <laughs> not an yes. issue. I mean, hopefully most people understand me. Um, but I think, yeah, the the difficulty for me is that because I've done it so much is that I've got a really, really kind of structured formula for it. Um, and that's why I can kind of produce the shows very quickly and, you know, um, but I sometimes need to fight against that because you get caught in a pattern and caught in a rhythm and, you know, you don't want every show to just be like a cookie cutter of the last one. So, yeah, that's my biggest challenge working here. Yeah. Gosh. Does that exactly answer that question? I'm not yeah, really sure. What it, okay. It's, sounds stressful. <laughs> I'm so glad that was your job and not mine. <laughs> well, it was amazing because, you know, I got to travel the world and I met all these incredible women who, you know, and, and some of them were brilliant and some of them were, you know, complete blockheads. And, just, you know, some of them were there for the experience and some of them were there for, to win. But the best thing about it now is that I have a friend in basically every country in the world because of that experience, you know, and I met such incredible um, and diverse groups of women who were all really um, confident and um, beautiful, <laughs> really. Yeah. Ben, um, how, are th- how are things going? I mean, we worked together on um, a thing for World Pride, um, but how's the... I mean, the Indigenous side of everything going for you that you're working on at the moment and not working on and having a break from now because of <laughs> corona. 
<laughs> well, look, yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a really, it's a, it's a really interesting time for creatives, artists um, that, you know, we're in this kind of space of familiarity of, you know, um, the unknown, but, you know, it's on a global scale now and because it's affected so many other businesses, it's, it's this crazy space to be in. And as I mentioned, you know, all of my work up until September has been cancelled or postponed. So, you know, it's about really trying to keep motivated. It's also about trying to keep creative um, and also just work out how to operate in this space where there really is, you know, a lot of uncertainty. And so a big part of for me at the moment is, is just being comfortable in this new space and, you know, a part of it is is being able to take time to slow down, to actually work on things that you don't normally get a chance to work on. And, you know, we're really using this with Party Passport is to sort out a lot of our, you know, finances, our tax stuff, um, to really refine some of the stuff that we're doing. And in my personal kind of career and my freelance stuff is to kind of work out where where my priorities are and what actually makes me really excited and what what do I want to tackle this year you know once we get through this next little hurdle and so you know a big part of that will always be the queer indigenous um, community and you know ensuring that you know our community feels supportive that there's visibility and that we continue to kind of fight for our spaces and our place in the wider community um but you know it's it's an ongoing beast every day and you know each day I'm I'm feeling different each hour I'm feeling different you know we're bombarded with news um and that kind of transforms the space that I operate in as well but generally you know I actually like being able to take the time to slow down but I think the biggest thing as well is you know we also we also um get anxiety around that we're not doing enough and sometimes it's hard to to just rest because we feel like we should be doing more. And as a freelance artist, you know, that's hard to just to be able to be in that space. So, you know, I'm excited about, you know, the future to be able to reset, reassess and, um, you know, work out where the priorities are for myself and for Party Passport. Very good. You guys just got very serious. I love that. <laughs> we do have serious side. <laughs> Q chimes, Q chimes. Look, we can talk under what's cement. So, um, is there any other stuff you want to chat about that you want to be brought up in the podcast at all from you guys? No, I think we. I think about where you know people can find out more information. I think we've covered that. Yeah, uh, well, I think we've covered a lot. I think we've yeah. spoken about a lot of stuff. We have, yeah. Um, thank you so much for being on here. Um, I'm sure I'll have you guys back on the podcast either or together again or separate, but thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Timbalina. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Yas Queen. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, subscribe and tell your friends and family. If you have any questions about anything and everything, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Yas Queen Podcast and send them through. Once a month, we'll compile all the questions and have them answered by queers and allies from around the country. Until next time, my name is Timberlina, top shelf talent. Pour yourself double. Peace out. Love you all. <laughs>